Welcome to The How of Business with your host, Henry Lopez, the podcast that helps you start, run, and grow your small business. And now, here is your host. Welcome to this episode of The How of Business. This is Henry Lopez, and my guest today is Matthew Chiapetta. Matthew, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Henry. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, looking forward to this. Matt is my CPA, and so I'm excited to have him on the podcast for the first time. And specifically, we're going to focus on, he's going to share tips and advice on year-end tax planning. This episode will initially be released at the end of the year, although, of course, the things that we talked about will be relevant whenever. But particularly for us as small business owners, things that we should be thinking about as the year comes to an end from a small business owner perspective. To get more information about the Howell business, including the show notes page for this episode and how you can continue supporting my show and receive workshop workshop discounts, join my monthly group coaching sessions, all of that through a Patreon membership, please visit thehowofbusiness.com. And I also encourage you to subscribe wherever you might be listening to this episode so you don't miss any new episodes. So let me tell you a little bit more about Matt. Matt Chiapetta is a CPA, obviously, who uh, helps and focuses on uh, optimizing the financial lives of solopreneurs, mostly uh, by focusing on personal and business tax planning and all the other little details that encompass their financial life. In his past life, Matt was the CFO of a registered investment advisory firm and corporate controller for a manufacturing business where he assisted with a healthy eight-figure exit for those owners. Matt has built a lifestyle business to support his most important role, which is that of being a father to two kids under five. He's also an avid fitness junkie, a softball player, and by his own admission, a depressed Chicago sports fan. Matt lives in the Chicago area. So once again, Matt Chiapetta, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Henry. Really excited to be here. Absolutely. So uh, let's see, I guess the Bears have not been doing so well and your other teams, which team in particular pro sports are you most a uh, fan of these days? Yeah, yeah, definitely following the Bears during football season. Been been a rough year. And I think, you know, across across the board with Chicago sports, we're kind of basement dwellers right now. So, <laughs> yeah, it's not been the best year, but it'll come back and yeah, you know, plenty, plenty of options. That's the good thing. Plenty of teams. That's right. Uh, I'm in uh, South Florida. I grew up in Miami. I'm, I'm back in Florida now, so I grew up a Miami Dolphins fan. So we're having a pretty good year this year, so I can't complain there. Yeah, after, great team. After yeah. many years of being the seller in the seller as well. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, you got um, a good coach. Yeah, I think so. I think so. He's an interesting, different type, right? More cerebral, I think, than your stereotypical coach. Absolutely. All right, let's talk about a little bit more about you. So I'm always curious as to the background and how people got to where they are today in, in your particular life and business. But why did you, if you think back, why did you decide to study accounting and finance? Yeah, my my answer is somewhat simple. Both of my parents were CPAs. So <laughs> is that right? um, the apple didn't fall too far from the tree. Right. Um, so yeah, just naturally enjoyed numbers and just kind of followed that. I had a brief instance where I almost switched majors, but pretty mm. much switched right back to accounting and have been here ever since. So um, even early as you got into it, because sometimes people think, okay, that's what I want to do. Like, you know, my parents were doctors. I'm going to do that. But then you get into it. It's like, good. I hate this, but you have, you do like numbers and the analytical side of things. 
Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, more importantly, what those numbers mean to, mm -hmm. to people and how it can impact their lives. So that's, that's always, numbers have always been a core part of what I've enjoyed, but also just the impact that, that they can have by helping people understand them a little bit better. Did your parents have their own firms or did they work for someone else? No, uh, both of my parents, they actually met at a public accounting firm, uh, Grant Thornton and, um, yeah, they both, they both were in corporate forever. And yeah, so actually neither of them had their own firm. Neither of them were partners, but um, always, always saw them kind of doing what they do as CPAs and followed their footsteps. Did you think you would own your own business at some point? No, de definitely not uh, when I was graduating college. I don't think it was even on the horizon, but I think just every step kind of led me there in terms of pursuing a little bit more autonomy in my life. So, um, you know, I think just over the course of time, naturally step-by-step step kind of led me in that direction without me really realizing it. It has to have been no, a, a big perceived risk, I imagine, because here you are, you have this background, you got this education, you've got that great job. I'm sure it paid well, had all the benefits. But that desire for autonomy was strong enough at some point, I guess, to make you take the sleep. Yes. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, I still remember I was actually doing an hour-long commute to a corporate controller job, and was listening to the four-hour work week. And at that point in time, I knew I wanted to start a business. But to your point, because of the perceived risks, it actually held me back. So I ended up last minute, even though I was ready to start my own job or own business, I ended up. Uh, taking taking another opportunity that that came up and then another right? years later before I started. Hmm. Do you looking back at that? Do you wish you would have done it sooner, or did you need that time to maybe perhaps financially or just to shift your mindset to be ready to do your own thing? You know, I th think I could have made it work for sure, um, but I, the the time that I had, you know, this was when I was working at the registered investment advisory firm really gave me a lot of context on the personal financial planning side. So that's been a piece that has helped provide more context for me serving clients now. So I, I think having that extra foundation of knowledge has been really beneficial to me now. Um, so I, I don't know that I wish that I started earlier. I probably would tell my kids to start earlier, but um, I think all, all of those steps helped me to get to where, where I need to be now. Mm -hmm. When you opened the doors of your CPA firm, did you have any clients already lined up? No, actually, I, I didn't have a single client lined up. Um, so I, I spent the last quarter uh, uh, of the year before I started just getting ready, figuring out my target market, who I wanted to work with. And, uh, you know, I, actually, I started by just uh, tweeting on Twitter. Um, so I just actually started to create a little bit of a following there, started to source some clients there, as well as other sources, and um, just kind of build my network from there. And now, were you and, doing that while you were still working, or you left the job and then, and then took some time to do that? I, I actually, so I figured out the target market before mm -hmm. I left work, but I didn't actually start marketing until the first day of working. Mm -hmm. um, I had, on, I had on the firm of, just because of the conflict yeah. of interest potential. 
Correct. Yeah, I didn't like the appearance of it. So sure. I wanted to make sure I was doing everything above board. I actually did kind of retain a part-time job with them um, as their outsource CFO um, for the time being. So, you know, I had that going. So there wasn't quite as much pressure for me to to get clients right out the gate. So I was able to kind of grow organically, which has been been nice. Yeah, that's great. You know, one of the things I always ask people to think about when they're making that transition is what's the worst case scenario? When you were starting it, I suppose the worst case scenario for you six months later, a year later, whatever runway you had or gave yourself is you could go back and get another accounting job, right? Yeah, yeah. And I think that's 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 definitely something that that you forget about too, when you're, when you're starting your, your business that you do have an out, you worst case scenario, you do circle back to what you were doing and um, you know, kind of takes away some of the risk that maybe you, you think you have because you do have an out. Um, so that definitely helped knowing that. Yeah. I mentioned, you know, you use the word lifestyle in your bio. You mentioned the word autonomy that I suspect those are key things, but what, what has it now been providing for you to be your own boss? Yeah, I think just ultimate flexibility with my time. I've I've got two young kids. They're in daycare. They're they get sick, of course, and uh, you know sometimes I just need to fill in and and watch the kids. I've got the ability to do that. Um, I've kind of structured my day so that I can spend as much time with them as possible. Um, so like, I think just having that flexibility while I could potentially do it with a W2 job, it just, I think there was always like a sense of guilt. If I were trying to press for that, that I was, I was letting somebody down and now, now, now it's all on me. And, um, you know, I take complete responsibility for, um, you know, the time that I allocate for business and for personal and, um, you know, having the autonomy to make those decisions has been hugely beneficial for me and my family. Well, that's great. Thanks for sharing that. Appreciate that, Matt. All right, let's get into it now as far as these uh, considerations for year in tax planning for small business owners. Before I do, just a quick disclaimer. Now, everybody's situation, business, tax situation is very different. So what Matt and I are going to discuss here is just general guidance, experiences, but everybody should get their own CPA, whether it's Matt that you engage or your own CPA, and get their input before you apply any of these things that we talk about today. Anything else you'd like to add there from a disclaimer, Matt? No, absolutely. I just agree with what you said. And yeah, if you've got any specific questions, your situation, make sure you're, you're consulting with your CPA. Okay. So, you know, I've got a bunch of questions here that I had shared with you ahead of time, but, but, but I don't know that they're in any particular order. I'd like to ask you this, what, what comes top of mind here for you as one of these items that that we had identified to talk about that you think are something that often we miss or we may not be thinking about as small business owners as we plan for year end what's the first thing that comes to mind out of these topics yeah i mean i think something pretty basic but just the avoiding tax surprises for sure comes up quite frequently most often the clients that i'm meeting with they're underserved um, and working with a CPA that's really just cranking out tax returns and doesn't really have the time to serve them. So um, I think what happens there then is they're only meeting with their accountant one time per year. And because of that, if you've got any sort of change in your income, it might not get caught. And all of a sudden you you get you get hammered with a surprise tax bill. Um, so I think that's just foundational and something I see all the time that's 
really important for if you're not working with someone who's proactive to 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 be proactive yourself with your CPA just to make sure that you don't have some of those surprises. Yeah, that's such a huge point. You know, I, I recommend to all of my clients that at least here this month, it's going to go quick here because of the holidays, that you get a call with your CPA. You and I did a session, I don't know, probably a couple months ago or a month ago, where you modeled for me speaking to this. Okay, here's what it was last year. Are you going to be higher or lower about the same so that I could forecast? All right, that means you may have to start doing quarterly payments or you, you're going to have this kind of a tax bill. Is there anything we can do to offset that? Should I, should I put money in an, a regular IRA or a Roth or should I, you know, what is, is there an HCA account that I could start? So you helped me through those kinds of considerations by forecasting what my year was looking like and where I might end up, right? Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, you start with last year's a guide and then you look at this year and what's changed to make sure that you don't have any surprises. So, you know, if you know uh, right now that you're in a, a position where your income has increased this year relative to last year um, and you, you're paying in the same amount that you did last year, that's that's definitely a sign that maybe you should be uh, working with your CPA and just seeing um, how you can make sure there's not a surprise. And then also more importantly, getting to the back half of the year, just is there any opportunities before year end offset, maybe an increased liability for taxes. Mm -hmm. Now as a small business owner, the other thing I try to do, which is pretty basic is to see uh, overall, obviously if I have a profitable year, which I hope most of you do, but it might be that you're in your early years, but how do I offset some of those profits as it makes sense? So I might bring in some expenses into Q4. I might make some capital investments that I might be able to depreciate. I got to work with my CPA on that. Uh, those are the kind of things also that I should look at as a small business owner, correct? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you have the ability to defer income to next year, accelerate expenses to this year, um, most people I work with and small business owners tend to be cash basis taxpayers. Right. Um, so if you can, if you can kind of work that, especially in a year where you've got higher income, um, then that might be a good idea to just uh, try try to get some of that into the, into 2023, um, so that you can you can mitigate some of those taxes. I can I can invest in certain cases in certain equipment or tools or other things, and they might have an accelerated depreciation opportunity. Correct. Correct. Yeah, this year you got 80% bonus depreciation for 2023. Last year was 100%. Next year, 60% bonus depreciation. So you, you get to write off a significant portion of your investment in any sort of capital assets that you have in the business, like equipment um, and whatnot. And then, you know, if you're an investor in real estate, that opens the door to a lot of other opportunities um, for year-end tax planning too and, and mitigating your tax bill. Is there a, a dollar amount up to which that applies, that accelerated depreciation? Uh, not for not for bonus uh, depreciation depreciation specifically for there's also section 179 depreciation where there is a, a limit. So if I buy a ten thousand dollar piece of equipment, that qualifies. I can accelerate the depreciation of that up to eighty percent. Or what am I missing there? Correct. Yeah. So you know, so long as it's a useful life tends to be three, five, seven, uh, fifteen years. Um, where you can take bonus depreciation, any sort of like long-term assets, uh, like a building, for example, would not be um, a bonus depreciation, 
depreciation yeah. isn't available. Um, so really just those yeah. relatively shorter term assets. Got it. Got it. Um, it just popped into my head because I've been having this conversation so much for various clients, uh, vehicles, work vehicles. How does, how does that fall into this consideration? Uh, I, I often don't prefer obviously buying a vehicle cash. I don't think that's a good use of the money, but are there any advantages there that I might be able to take from a tax perspective as it relates to vehicles? Yeah. So, you know, it depends on, of course, like first and foremost, how much you're using it for business purposes. And, and there's, you know, vehicles are one of the areas of tax law that are notoriously complicated because there's so yeah. many different avenues. Well, when it gets pursue. abused, yeah. So let me clarify. I'm talking about legitimate, like I have got an HVAC business and these are the service vans that are branded and only get used for business. So let's use that example. Yeah. So, I mean, I, for sure, if you know that you're going to be having some capital spending for for next year, if you've got the cash flow and opportunity to you know, maybe bring those into 2023 in service um, with those vehicles, you, you've got them and you're you're operating them, then that's a potential opportunity to potentially take some some bonus depreciation um, on those assets. So that's where you would get, you know, 80%. And I think you touched on a qualifier there. It had, the in-service date is important, correct? Correct. Correct. So you've got to be um, operating the vehicle. Can't, you've got to be in possession of it and it's got to be in use. Okay, um, let's see. Where do I go next? What what else? Uh, let's talk about home offices, because that's another common one, especially since a lot of us as solopreneurs or small operators work from home. I know for me, what I do, I'm fortunate that I have a dedicated separate space, a room, which is my office. And so what you've done for me and and uh, and Sharon before is we we have the square footage of this space. She, you, she, and now you give me a spreadsheet. We allocate the expenses, and we write off that portion, right? And and that's that's the correct way to do it. Is that right? Correct. Yeah. If you're a single member LLC or a sole proprietor, um, you've you've got a an option to elect a safe harbor deduction, which is five dollars per square foot of office space. So you don't have to track all your expenses. I see. Um, but a lot of people, I mean, the actual expense method of taking exactly what you said, the um, total uh, of your indirect costs for the office. So you just take a percentage based on what you had noted. If you if you got $10,000 of cost, 10% of your home is, is the office, um, then you'd be able to take $1,000 as a write-off. Um, and that includes, I mean, depreciation, utilities, uh, uh uh, gas costs, electric, et cetera. Now, if I'm just using the dining room table or I've got a little desk in the corner of the dining room, does that count? No, you do want to make sure that it's it's used regularly and exclusively for, for business purposes. So the ideal scenario is that you have a separate space that you use exclusively um, for, for business purposes. So you want to avoid commingling uh, activities um, within that space between business and personal. Okay, thanks for clarifying. This is Henry Lopez with a brief break from this episode to share a special offer from our new show sponsor, Relay. Relay is an online banking and money management platform for small business. 
As a small business owner, you need banking that's truly built for your small business. No more fees, no minimum balances, no more bookkeeping problems come tax season, and no more branch visits to complete basic banking tasks. Now you can take control of your money with Relay, an online banking and money management platform that puts you in complete control of your cash flow. First, there are no account fees, no overdraft fees, and no minimum balances, which means you get to keep more of your hard-earned money. And Relay is the official banking partner for Profit First, so you can set up multiple checking and savings accounts and automate their percentage-based allocations using smart transfer rules. Relay also allows you to make unlimited payments via ACH, wires, or checks, earn interest on every spare dollar with Relay savings accounts, provide secure read-only access to your accountant and bookkeeper, and speed up bookkeeping with reliable bank feeds that sync directly into QuickBooks Online and Xero. Best of all, it takes less than 10 minutes to apply online and it's absolutely free. And as a special offer to the How With Business listeners, sign up for Relay using the link on the show notes page for this episode and you'll also get $50 added to your account once you fund your new account. You can find the link to the show notes page in the description for this episode. Relay customer deposits are FDIC insured through their partner bank, Thread Bank, member FDIC. Please see the show notes page for this episode at thehowabusiness.com for more details. Kind of related to this is this Augusta rule, which I only came to know about, I don't know, here in the last couple of years. But would you introduce that and, and what that is? Yeah, so the the Augusta rule, um, it came it came from the PGA event in Augusta. That's what I figured. Yeah, yeah, where people were renting their home on a short term basis to to individuals who were coming into town um, for for the golf event. Um, so the the rule is if you if you're if you're running out of space for for fourteen days or less um, during the year you and you receive income you actually don't have to report that as uh rental income on your on your tax return it's not subject to taxes um so it's a little bit of a opportunity for for certain people where i see it commonly is if you're if you're hosting uh you know a corporate uh, event or board of directors meeting at your home um you have um you know an opportunity potentially to um you know, charge a fair rent for use of your home for that that board of directors meeting, and you could potentially take a write off based on the fair value of the rent, um, fair daily fair rent uh, for that day um, that you use your home. One thing just to quickly note is that you can't you can't use both the home office deduction and the Augusta rule for your own home. So just be cognizant you, of you that. You cannot. You said. Yeah, you cannot use use. So both. so if I'm taking the home office deduction, then I cannot take advantage of the Augusta rule. No, and I mean the only exception might be if your office is not used for that event. But okay. um, I see. Uh, I, see. Yeah, I mean, generally speaking, I would say not to not to oh, not to not to combine those two. Okay, Correct. talk to your CPA about that. But that is an opportunity because again, more and more, especially us as solopreneurs, we might have a distributed group of 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 either contractors or team members that we might want to bring together once a year that often happens. And I might host them at my house, let's say, and that would be where I might be able to take advantage of that, of that opportunity. Yeah. Correct. Okay. Uh, since we're kind of related to that, I want to talk about entity selection. This is something that I think is um, confusing to most people. And I'm not saying I'm an expert on it either, obviously, but 
Um, you know, typically for us as small business owners, we either are operating as an LLC or a corporation. And as I understand it, either of those entities, we can take S corp filing status so that it's a pass through entity. But uh, talk to me about that and what people maybe miss there. For example, the question that I have that maybe we can start with on this, Matt, is if I am an LLC, when do I have to and how do I elect the S-Corp status if I'm explaining that right? Yeah. Um, so now is a good time to start thinking about that for next year. Um, there's a form that you file in order to make that S-election for uh, your, your LLC or your corporation. Uh, form 2553, you got to file that within two and a half months of the beginning of the year. So I see. Uh, so March 15th is really the deadline for when you would file that. You can make a late S-corporation uh, uh, election within the year, um, but you, know, you want to make sure that the effective date of that is when you start basically operating as an S-corporation. Got it. So that's the thing. At this point in the year, if, if you're listening to this in December, it's too late for this year. I would talk to my CPA about whether it makes sense for us to elect it for the next year. Correct. Yeah. I mean, there's there's circumstances where you could make a late as corporation elect, election, but, um, you know, generally speaking, um, you want to look at it start of the year um, next year. If I am eligible for S Corp treatment, and I believe one of the requirements of a corporation is under a hundred shareholders or something like that. But if I do qualify, why would I not? What are, what are a couple of reasons why I would not, it would not be advantageous for me to have S corp filing status. Any asset heavy businesses tend to not be favorable. So like real estate tends to not be a good, good spot to, for an S corp to hold those assets. Um, just because if you're, when you're moving, when you're moving those assets in and out of the business, um, you're, you're triggering a tax event every time you do that. So, um, that's going to be the situation probably most commonly where you don't want to use the S corporation. So you're saying uh, when I, cause typically I would hold real estate in an LLC, but, but that would be a case where it probably is not best for me to have S corp status correct. on that LLC. Okay. Yeah, so that would be that'd be the most most common one. Any like an ass any any sort of asset heavy, uh, you know, business real estate kind of fits the bill for when that doesn't make as much sense. Otherwise, the typical businesses that we're talking about, you know, a solopreneur, a services business, professional services, in those cases, it probably makes most sense to go with an S corp filing. Correct. Yeah, I would say, I mean, painting broad strokes, generally speaking, yeah. you'll want to have an S corp somewhere in the mix, depending on, depending on your income. If you're, if you're under 50 K of income, maybe um, it's not worth considering. I think, you know, over that you want to start thinking about it and deciding if it does make sense. Okay. Over 50 K and that's probably related, I'm assuming to when it starts to make, or maybe required for me to pay myself W2 versus just owner's draws. Is that correct? Correct. And you just you just have extra administrative burden and costs when it comes to an S corporation. To your point, you got to run payroll and pay yourself a reasonable salary. With that comes some additional costs, unemployment taxes for state and federal. Um, you've got also uh, payroll costs. You know, if you're using Gusto or QuickBooks to run your payroll, you get some incremental costs there. Since it's a separate tax filing, most CPAs charge for that S corporation tax return. So if you're a single member LLC, 
um, and previously you had it on your personal tax return under Schedule C, um, that would be a change where you probably are incurring an incremental cost. So then kind of like an indirect cost is just if you're paying yourself a reasonable salary, um, could could result in a potential reduction in your Social Security income down the line. I see. So uh, I can also, of course, revoke that S, S uh, corp status from year to year. Is that correct? Correct. Okay. All right. Excellent. Thanks for sharing that. I know there's a lot there that, that even is over my head after having done it for so long. You know, what I always talk to my clients about as it relates to these accounting and financial things, A, that's why we have a CPA, but, but make sure that you engage a CPA that is willing and has the time, as we talked about at the outset of this conversation, to consult with you on this. You know, the way that I've learned a lot of this is just by asking the same, you know, from my perspective, stupid question again and again and again until it sinks in. This is not my area of expertise. That's why I have a CPA, right? So I, I think that sometimes we can be afraid or intimidated by all of this, and we shouldn't be. We should be able to ask questions, and that's what I have you for, right? Yeah, hundred percent. I think I think that's part of the value is just spending time, uh, you know, with your CPA so that you can you can at least have a basic understanding. I know most people don't want to spend a lot of time in the tax arena, but um, you know, just having a basic understanding and the more you talk about it, the more it becomes familiar and and the more educated you are with your tax situation. Right. What we do have to do as as small business owners is to pay the taxes that we're supposed to pay, but take advantage of the legal ability, the rules to our best advantage that are there to encourage us to continue to make investments in our business. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, I've seen commonly with the DIY approach, you tend to miss, miss things. And then also with, if you're working with a CPA where you only meet with them annually, just to fill out your tax forms, um, that's when you're probably going to miss some opportunities. Okay. Uh, jump to a next subject, which is uh, one that's uh, affected me often, which is my health insurance. Obviously, I have to have my own private health insurance uh, as a solopreneur. I I will itemize that cost of the premiums and the out-of-pockets, but often it does. it's not enough to be more than the standard deduction. So I have that challenge there, and every year I kind of look at that. But what, what are your general guidance on how I cover that expense and can the business cover that expense just give me some general thoughts there, please. Yeah. So, I mean, if it's a, a company established policy specifically for an S-Corp, you'll want the business to pay that or reimburse you for the cost of your, your health insurance. Um, you do end up reporting that as income um, on your on your tax return, but then you get an above the line adjustment or, or deduction. Um, that's not subject to the limits of an itemized deduction like you were talking about, mm -hmm. um, Henry. Um, but that that would reduce your 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 gross income and and taxable income um, for so for it, so it might because I'm an LLC and my and one of my businesses it might you and I can talk about this more but every situation is different. Right now, the business does not pay for my health insurance policy. It might be that that might be more advantageous. Can I do that even through an LLC? I'm assuming. Uh, yes. Yep. You, you can still do that through through an LLC. So what are kind of the high level parameters that we would look at to see if that makes more sense or not? Uh, versus paying personally? Correct. Yeah. So, I mean, I think, you know, if you're, if you are an S corporation, 
Um, you know, some of the parameters, I guess, in general would be first if, if you qualify. Um, so, you know, the couple of things to note is that if you if you don't have earned income and you're trying to take that as a write off for the for the business or take take that as a write off, I'm sorry, uh, you might be subject to an income earned income limit. Um, you also can't have uh, coverage, uh, the option for subsidized coverage from an employer through yourself or your spouse. So if you're okay. doing, doing your business as a side hustle or your spouse has access to subsidized coverage through their employer, um, then that would be a disqualifier. So I think, you know, besides those scenarios, you want to look at um, taking advantage of that where you can, so you can, mm -hmm. you can get that right off. Okay. All right. We'll need to talk about that then. Retirement contributions. Tell me there what, especially here again, in the context of year end planning, what, what should I look at and what should I plan for? What could, what options might I have even here at the end of the year? Yeah. So, you know, this also depends on, on how your, your business is structured, but uh, you know, solo 401ks are very popular for owner employees of S corporations. Um, and then there's also uh, SEPs and simple IRAs um, that are commonly used. Um, you know, probably more commonly it would be the the SEPs um, for for self-employed individuals. So those would be you know something to get in place before year end. Um, you can make the contributions um, after your year end as it relates to your your employer contribution. But that's definitely something to potentially look look at as an opportunity to reduce your 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 taxes for the year. What's the primary difference between a solo 401k and a SEP, which is a, I think a self-employed, what's the SEP stand for again? Uh, uh, simplified employment plan. Okay. I, I, I got to go check that. I though. know. <laughs> I was just thinking about that. I don't know what that means. I know I have one in the past. I've funded that, but then in other years it hasn't made sense, but what's the difference between those two? Simplified employee pension. Sorry. Um, yeah. So the di difference with the, with the 401k, if you're paying yourself wages, you can also contribute as an employee. Um, so that opens, that tends to open up the door sooner for more contributions because that employee contribution limit is 22,500 for 2023. Whereas uh, for both plans, the SEP and the 401k, um, you know, if you're, if you're an S corp, you, you as an employer can contribute 25% of whatever your wages are. Um, so, you know, you tend to, you tend to have a little bit more room for contributions. If you've got that savings capacity to get, to get an additional write-off under the solo 401k or 401k plan, um, because of the fact that you have an employee contribution available in addition to the employer contribution. I see. And, and my understanding, Matt, is that both of these items are retirement contributions, depending on the plan that makes sense, health insurance. It's made a lot easier if I'm a solo entrepreneur because I don't have other employees that I may or may not have to offer equal benefits to, right? Correct. Correct. You've got a lot more opportunities there where you don't have to provide coverage to the rest of your your employees. You can also, if you're you're operating a small business and you're the single owner and you've got a spouse or children that are working in the business. Potentially, they could also participate, or I'm sorry, your spouse could participate in the solo 401k. Um, so that's also an opportunity too, if you do have a spouse working in the business. Um, so definitely helps if you're, yeah, if you have a single single owner business. Excellent. Okay, Matt, what 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 have I not asked you about? What have we not covered so far that you see? If anything else, something else that comes up, or something else that you 
usually chat about with your clients at year end for small business owners, solopreneurs, there's anything else that we haven't talked about that comes to mind? I mean, the one thing I've seen pretty commonly, um, you know, if clients that are have not made that S corporation election um, and they're just a single member LLC, they're potentially missing out on uh, you know, pass through entity tax election, uh, which basically allows you to take uh, to pay your pay your your tax obligation for your business income through your business entity. And then you're able to get a write off for that. So I, it's, that's commonly one that you know, 36 states offer it now. A lot of people move, a lot of states moved to that uh, more recently so that you could get the benefit of that deduction because uh, with the 2018 Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, most people are capped at $10,000 for their state and local tax deduction on their mm. personal tax return um, for their itemized deductions. So that's an op- that's an opportunity I see commonly to be able to get some of those state taxes that you pay as a write off um, uh, that that can save you additional money. But that's if I'm following you, that's only if I have the S corp election already filed, correct? Yeah, if you're an S corp, you have to be a pass through entity. Pass through so entity, yeah. So either yeah, a corp so- S corp or LLC with S corp filing status. Yeah, or a multi-member LLC. Okay. Um, so every, I mean, every state's a little bit different in how they do this. So uh, definitely make sure you check with your your accountant. I think there's just three states right now that don't have it, um, other than t- uh, states that don't have income taxes. So the ones that don't have it are North Dakota, Delaware, and then District of Columbia, and then uh, Maine, Pennsylvania, and Vermont are all proposed. But any other states that have personal income taxes have some sort of uh, uh, opportunity there for, for business owners to take that deduction. So I definitely talk with your CPA about that. Excellent. Great. Thanks for sharing that. All right. Let's talk a little bit more about your practice. Obviously you are currently, um, no, not obviously you are currently open to taking new clients if it's a fit and uh, you offer a free consultation for somebody who might be interested in hiring you as their CPA, correct? Yeah, correct. So you do an introductory call just to see if 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 we're a good fit for each other. Um, so that's that's available on on my website mattchia.cpa if if you want to uh, book a, a consultation. Tell me the website again. It is matt m a t t chia c h i a dot cpa dot cpa. Excellent, and I'll have a link to that on the show notes page for this episode at thehowabusiness.com as well. Who, who's your ideal client? You know, we've talked a little bit about solopreneurs, smaller organizations. That's why that's one of the reasons it was a fit for me, but describe your ideal client if you would. Yeah. So, uh, you know, a lot of my clients are solopreneurs that are in, in the services industry. So, um, a lot of them might be marketing agencies or uh, anyone that's producing, you know, a lot of content producers as well and uh, attorneys and, um, and really anybody that's providing professional services as a solopreneur tends to be a good fit. They tend to, most of the, my clients tend to be operating in that 250K to a million dollars of, of revenue. Um, I'd say that's probably where 80% of my clients are. Um so those are those tend to be the type of people that I work really well with and and do tax planning in addition to kind of some of the traditional accounting work for bookkeeping and um, all the way up to concierge type type work where I can uh, also accommodate 
um, invoicing and bill pay and 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 also forecasting for for your business. Clients across the nation, obviously. Yeah, clients across the nation. I actually, I think I only have one one client in my my home state of Illinois, so I'm spread spread uh, uh, spread out all all across the U.S. Yeah, I'm in Florida. Obviously, Matt's in Chicago, so that's another example of it. You know, when people when I'm working with clients that are getting their first CPA, I, I often say, you know, look for somebody local because I do like the advantage of being able to meet in person with your CPA, but more important is, is it the right person? Are they qualified? Is it a fit? Um, and we were talking, you and I, before we started recording that it's becoming a bigger and bigger challenge. There is going to continue to be a shortage of CPAs because young people are just not choosing to go into the accounting field. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a, yeah, there's not a lot of people coming in. There's a lot of people retiring. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely creating a bit of a shortage right now. Yeah. So when you find someone that's a fit, that's regardless of location, that's that's what you're looking for first and foremost, in my opinion. All right. I'm always looking for a book recommendation. Is there, you have mentioned a four-hour work week at the beginning. Is there another book that comes to mind that you would recommend? Yeah. I, you know, when I started my business, Profit First was a book that I came across, uh, kind of fits how we budget personally, but um, really just speaks to the habit of paying yourself first and having a really good system. Um, because I think it's pretty common for for business owners and entrepreneurs to to reinvest in the business, continue to grow it without making sure that they pay themselves first. So um, that was definitely an influential book for for me when I, when I got started. One of the things that Profits First uh, teaches is having all the different bank accounts. Do you, do you think that that's a good practice as well? Yeah, I think it's helpful. I mean, I currently do have that. I think there's ways you could do without it. Like I know a lot of a lot of people also use uh, YNAB. You need a budget as a tool to help manage that. Um, but I think the the bank accounts is really nice for entrepreneurs because you log into the and log into your bank and you can clearly see where your money is allocated. A um, little bit different than when you're looking at a P&L or a profit and loss statement um, where it's a little bit more difficult to figure out your cash on hand and how that's going to be used. Um, I think the system really helps you understand where your money is and what it's allocated for, what the purpose is. Yeah. Some of the online banks, I use one now, for example, that allows you to do allocations. So one bank account, but you, but you see different buckets and that's another way to accomplish the same thing, I think. Yeah. And I, I think Relay Fi, they actually did a partnership with, uh, with Profit First and Mike Michalowicz. That's right. Um, so that, that's actually what I use and they have some auto transfer rules so that the money comes in, you can automatically distribute it to the different accounts that you want. Um, so, I mean, specifically too, I think at a basic level, just having like a allocation for taxes, because that's often where people get surprised, just making sure that you're allocating money um, from your income for taxes is definitely important. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that because Unprompted Relay is actually the sponsor of this episode. So Relay is a great <laughs> example uh, where they have incorporated the profit first approach. Uh, I happen to have had Mike McCullowitz on the show um, a couple of years ago. We were talking about his newer book, Fix This Next, but um, he's, he's, I love all of his content and I think it's great reading and a great system to follow. So thanks for that recommendation. And thanks to Relay for being the sponsor of this episode. Um, all right, we'll wrap it up. 
what's one thing you want us to take away at a high level or a couple things, but, but key thing, if I'm, if I'm listening, I've got a small business and I'm thinking about tax, you're in tax planning. What's one thing you want us to take away? Yeah. I think the biggest thing is just trying to be proactive with your taxes. If you, if you're working with someone who's reactive, just making sure that you're being proactive to avoid any sort of surprises and trying to trying to button things up before year end with any opportunities you might have available. Um, I think commonly we wait until tax time to do those things. Um, but you know, now is really kind of the the time to to make sure that you've got everything wrapped up for the year and optimized. Yeah. Most small business owners, and I've been guilty of this myself, will wait until it's time to turn over all of our our paperwork, our financials to our CPA to do our tax returns. That's when a CPA is least available, right? Because heads down <laughs> transactionally, and it's too late often at that point. So that to me is the biggest takeaway, Matt, is that we need to, as small business owners, either get a CPA that that supports that, being able to touch in with them on maybe a quarterly basis, but certainly in the fourth quarter, so that we can be more proactive with our tax planning. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, tell me the website again, where we can go to learn more and to schedule a free consultation if we think you might be a fit. Sure. Uh, my website again is Matt, M-A-T-T, Chia, dot C-P-A. It's M-A-T-T-C-H-I-A dot C-P-A. Wonderful. We'll have a link to that on the show notes page as well. Matt, thanks for willing to come on and share all this knowledge. I appreciate having you as my CPA. Thanks for being with me today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. This is Henry Lopez, and thanks for joining me on this episode of The How of Business. My guest today again was Matt Chiopetta. I release new episodes every Monday morning. You can find the show anywhere you listen to podcasts, including The How of Business YouTube channel and at my website, thehowofbusiness.com. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to The How of Business. For more information about our coaching programs, online courses, show notes pages, links, and other resources, please visit thehowofbusiness.com.